Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. In this podcast, check about the defeat to Coventry. We summarize 2023 and look ahead to Aston Villa. This is the Bora Breakdown podcast, and this is all your Bora Mash Day chatter in a pod. Support. Curtis Fleming is there on the edge of the air. Fleming for What's Craig Hignett. Hit it, Higgy. Higgy hits the track. Abanelli coming alive again. Janino wants the ball played to him. Abanelli spots out. Hello and welcome to the Bora Breakdown podcast with Johnny, Dana and Tom. We are the Bora podcast that gives you all of your Bora match day chatter in a podcast. And Bora lost 3-1 to Coventry at the weekend, moving to 12th in the championship table. Just four points off the playoff places, but 13 unavailable players again. But it's the one incoming, ah, as as my thumb. Um, anyway, sorry, <laughs> moving on. Um, one key takeout as always. Um, Dana, what's your one key takeout from the week? Firstly, that was terrible, but props for the humour or attempted humour behind it. I for mean, the, the context is that Johnny yeah. got his cast off. He's no longer Rav Vandenberg. So fair play, Johnny. That that was actually more impressive than I gave you credit for. Um, but yeah, my wonky takeout is just the same old, really. I think I'm going to join Ben Strickland in the trenches on Borough Doyles here and say that Borough <laughs> are... A nearly team, and I've said that before, I'll say it again. I mean, look at our bench against Coventry. Did you two realize who was the oldest outfield player on the bench? Uh, outfield. Hayden Coulson, was it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. it yeah. was Hayden Coulson. I could not believe that. I like what botched timeline have we landed in where Hayden Coulson's on the bench with a snap back saying, How do you do, fellow kids? Like, how, how has that happened? But I said it a few weeks ago, and I still uh, believe it, really. I think with a fully fit side or even just a few players let, um, back and available, I just wonder where Borough would be with those players. So I guess the, the take-up from the week is is food for thought, really. Where would Borough be right now? And even more so, what is our ceiling if we had a, a near fully fit squad to to choose from? Yeah, and Tom, what's going to be your, your key take-up from the week? I think my key takeout is that I kind of understand the result on Monday now. Don't get me wrong, straight afterwards I didn't. I was fuming, calmed down for a couple of days. And I've, I think Carrick summed it up best in his, his post-match interview where he just said we, we just kind of didn't have, have the energy second half. And I can understand that. You know, we've we've 
the Christmas periods, what a, a game every few days, really. And I mean, I'm, I'm not surprised there was a lack of legs in the second half because they'll have been absolutely on the feet, just trying to kind of get through this period. So it's probably a good thing that we've got a, a week until Villa now, or you know, five days or whatever it is. But yeah, it's uh, it, it's a little bit easier to take when you kind of sit back and keep it in perspective, but. You know, we're we're playing with pretty much our, I don't want to say reserves to to them, but we're playing with a lot of second string players, and it was going to catch up sooner or later. Not that it already hadn't, but I think that second half was really indicative of it. Yeah, and I agree with with these both. One nearly team, I get it. We've been just really unlucky, I think, this year, especially with sometimes with, with goals against us. And also injuries and suspensions going at a bad time. And look, the amount of players we have out is 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 what it is, isn't it? Um, and against a full strength or near enough full strength Coventry side, I thought we played really well in that first half. Second half, things changed a little bit. Uh, but my my take out for me really is is that inconsistency will happen with the team that we have at the moment. When players come back, are probably going to have more of an expectation of us trying to climb the table again and get in that playoffs box. I, I do believe we can do it. I really, really do. And it just, it's just getting those players back if we can. But let's move on uh, to that Coventry game now because Coventry have now had three wins in a row against Borough and, and for you know Michael Carrick has failed to beat Mark Robbins uh, in a game. But Dana, uh, how would you assess things uh, against Coventry? Oh, it was such a shame because I thought Borough played really, really well in that first half. Robbins had Coventry set up in a in a four four one one, but they were actually in possession anyway, a two four four or sometimes a three three four, depending on the position of, of their fullback. So they had Thomas and Binks in defence, Van Evick and Bidwell pushed up into midfield with Eccles and Sheaf in the centre. Then O'Hare kind of had a free role, but he was playing off Sims uh, and Sakamoto and and right far wide on the attacking line. And I think that was to make uh, the game expansive and to stretch Borough but I think it benefited us more because I noticed a few times that Van Evick got caught quite narrow to mark Sam Greenwood who would come in field and I, I it gave us space down that left hand side that I don't think we quite exploited as well as we could have done there was one moment where we did manage to get the ball out there and then Lucas Engel stood on the ball and it went out for a throw in but we looked much more dynamic in attack than in previous encounters with them where they have been very disciplined. And I think in this game, they weren't open, but it just it felt like it was quite easy for us to cut through them, which is why I think Dan Balas had such a good game in that first half and really controlled it. I think that Housen and him were probably the stars of that first half, to be honest. Um, Balas had picked some really good passes, House made some really good uh, aggressive tackles. And I think Rodgers as well, you know, talking about players that, that had an impact on that game. I think Rodgers was key, as I expected. He was the one that was allowing us to build up through the thirds and created Borough's first chance uh, of the game. Dale Fry as well, Marshall Wright and Sims really, really well. And the goal that we actually scored was was quality. I mean, fantastic play down the right, good combination between Rav Corburn and and Rodgers and a great driving run uh, inside from, from Rav is cross was obviously cut out but then manages to, to battle for the ball on the deck might I add which deserves a lot of credit Greenwood steals in and it's a fantastic cross from Jones to be fair really really good and then a brilliant header from from Corburn I thought their press was quite weak O'Hare was really good in possession but quite generous towards us out of it he there was a lot of runs being made off him 
from Barlasser in particular. And that's why I was really happy with us in the first half, because I think we really controlled that game. And the mark against it was that we conceded and that we didn't add to the the scoreline when we you know, were dominant in our performance. And I think with the game won all at half time, it was probably the worst, well, not the worst, but a bad um, scoreline for us because it was so evenly balanced and it felt like next move kind of pushes the game in that team's favour and Mark Robbins made that switch that you'll talk about soon Johnny and we didn't really have the options to be able to counter that so that's why I think that if we had McGree or Force or even Cruxy back Hackney I'm not saying that we would have won that game with those players but I think we would have fared so much better in that second half because that drop off from first half to second half was particularly notable so Really, such a shame. But as Tom kind of said, the you know it was going to. And Carrick said after the game, it was kind of a case of injuries and lack of availability caught up with Bora. Yeah, look, I'll, I'll put my neck on the line here, Dean. And I think if we a full strength squad beats Coventry on that day, in that if if in the first half you have the options done, I think we I think we go on to to, to win that. I think. But Tom, what's your what's your thoughts, mate? What 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 do you think of the game? I was going to say at the weekend, but actually it wasn't. It was on Monday. Um, so, what was your thoughts on a game that felt like the weekend, but wasn't a weekend? It was New Year's Day. I, I was gutted to lose it at the time. To be fair, because I was really optimistic going into half time. Uh, as Dana said, we we bossed that first half really. Um, I, I honestly. It only looked like it was going to go one way. I felt like their goal kind of really came against the runner player at, at that point because we were definitely the the better team in that first half. And I was just, I, I was thinking maybe this has finally clicked for us. You know, maybe, maybe this is going to be where we kind of snap this uh, unwanted kind of streak against uh, against Coventry and, and and finally get a win. Going in 1-1 at half-time, I'd seen enough from the first half to think if we come out and play like that second half, we will get back on top and we'll win this game. And then what I saw second half was just, at the time, absolutely demoralising. Um, no, I mean, I'd... I'd I'd, I'd fought, fought long and hard about it during the second half, and I was like, you know what, I'm I'm going to leave and go and get in the queue at the the car park on like to to get out at, at like the 89th 90th minute because nothing's going to happen. Like I, I know nothing's going to happen. It's going to be Coventry seeing the game out, and unfortunately, I was I was right about that. But it's not something I ever do, and it's just it's annoying for me personally. I like, going to the Riverside this season and just seeing us lose just. Like, I don't it's like these teams offer anything like that, but teams we should be beating at home, Coventry, Bulls, etc. You look at look at those games, and it's like it's because Borough didn't perform, and you know we we couldn't maintain performance less, uh, levels through from ninety minutes, and it's a bit annoying to to kind of take now, you know, as as the season tick older and. Uh, you know, someone who's, who's been to to most home games this season. I think I did miss one, but it's it's just like yeah. After last season, it was, there was a lot of reason to be optimistic, and obviously, acknowledge there's been a lot of change this season. But yeah, ho- hopefully January gives us some some more stuff to be optimistic about. But yeah, the first half of the season, it's just been it's been very up and down, and it, it's not the type of season I would enjoy watching. Well, I, I suppose that. You know, goes goes for anyone. 
Uh, you know, I've, I've seen some absolute rubbish in my time as a season ticket holder. I don't want to compare it to that. But the ones where it's like, the, the seasons where it's like, we're going to finish mid-table and we might beat some teams, but we don't beat others and stuff. It That's the, the stuff that kind of, it doesn't annoy me or anything the most, but it's, it's just like you don't know what to expect every, every week. And, you know, although Will always back us at home and go into these these games optimistic, it's it's not a great feeling coming out of them after a loss like that. And I think uh, Coventry game just kind of summed that up, really. I just want to count on one of your points very quickly there, Tom, about we should be beating teams like Coventry and Hull. I think I get your general point, but... I don't think we should be beating teams like Hull and Coventry. I think more what I would say is that based on their performance, Coventry in the first half, I think Coventry fans will say that they were poor. Borough should have given themselves a decent cushion going into half time, And I think you'd probably agree with that. But that, I think that's the frustration, isn't it? Really? Yeah, I mean, I, mean, I definitely agree with that because I thought their keeper made several cracking saves in the first half. But I think it's yeah. more... To get where we want to be in the league, we need to be beating these teams at home. Oh, yeah. We need to be yeah. beating more, most teams at home is, is what I kind of meant from last, rather than, I don't want to sound like entitled or anything, like we should be beating everyone at home or anything like that. <laughs> it's like, if we want to be finishing in the playoffs or, you know, obviously we were touted as automatics before the, the season started. If those are the goals this season, we need to win these games at home. And mm. there's just no consistency at the moment. Yeah, I'd yeah. agree with that. Well, we have beat seven out of the 13 teams, you know, like obviously I'm going to count us in the 12th and then teams underneath us, one underneath us. So we are beating these teams around us. I think we should have probably beat Hull. And I think on the game against Coventry, I think if we do put one of those chances away and go 2-0 up or 2-1 up at halftime, I think we go on to probably win it. It's just I think the frustrations of those games is how we give those games away. But Around the around the game in itself, I thought we we did play really well in that first half. I thought we moved the ball quite well. We were dynamic. We were able to create space. Mainly, I think it was because of Coventry's change shape because they have moved really. And, and we talk about different phases in games. And when I was looking at Coventry throughout the game, uh, you know they, they are playing in multiple different shapes. So they would set up in like a four four one one. They would be in in possession to two four four three three throw. Out of possession, you're looking at four two three one. Then in goal kicks, you're looking at four three three. So you see. Different shapes are happening at different times, right? It's always quite fluid. But with with Coventry here, like on, in the first half, Millsborough have five players in that central area to Coventry's three in the, in the middle. And then they've got your two centre-backs and your centre-forward as well. But in total, Borough have outnumber Coventry in the midfield. So they're able to kind of get the ball through, play it out wide, create all loads of different areas. And when you have... The control of the centre of the pitch, you tend to dominate most games. Main reason, if you're so wide, then you are further away from the goal. You create limited chances, and when there's more bodies in the central, it's hard to, to find your players. But when Millsborough do dominate that central area, they're able to play through them quite well. Secondly, in, in the second half, where Robbins does make a change, there is a big, big shift in how Coventry are trying to play. They do limit the lines quite quite a lot in terms of the midfielders drop in. But also the try and really nullify that central area. You'll see O'Hare come a little bit deeper. The wingers come a little bit more central as as well. And they just try to limit the space in the middle. And it comes back to that box midfield again, which Borough really struggled with against them last season. Let's try to create that more narrow shape. And this isn't something new. This really isn't something new in, in football in general. When you've got the ball, you'll try to be really expansive. You'll try and stretch his team out. You'll move, the, you'll get your wingers up high and wide. You'll play in that maybe a three, four, four shape, and you'll try and you know get the ball in the box or work it way through. 
when you haven't got the ball, what we've seen is that your team will try and compress. So then what when they compress, you make it really tight, you try and narrow up your guard box. And it's just a very simple way of playing. And what the big tweak was uh, from Robinson in that second half was, and he mentioned it in his presser as well, how do we limit the space and stop player from playing? It's quite simple, really. You try and bring a player in a little bit deeper. You try and bring your players inwards and you just try and nullify the space. And I think that they did that really well in the in the second half and how they were playing out as well. And they were utilising Greenwood because Greenwood would always commit to the centre-back, create the space for the full-back, and then that's how they were able to get out every single time, which, again, is frustrating. But when they were able to get out as well, this you would see the centre-mid switch positions because Borough were losing the player um, and then one would come over and then they were able to play out and get the ball through. So frustrated, really, because Borough couldn't really adapt to it. Uh, but that was a nice little tweak from the game. Um, and then they, they went on to, to win. But Tom... We did kind of talk about it a little bit there, but the fatigue side of things, 13 players, it's getting just a bit more frustrating now. So do you think now that it's it has caught up with Borough and all these injuries, suspensions, the call-ups as well, Borough really scraped the barrel in terms of a bench? I'd, I'd say so, yeah. I mean, like you said, there's not been a lot of senior players to choose from. And I think... In the last few games, the only kind of real example of squad rotation I can think of that we've been able to do is Bangor and Engel at left back. I don't think there's been many other areas where we've actually been able to rotate the players and, and give anyone a rest, especially, like I say, over this Christmas period where it's a game every few days. We've not really had that that chance of anywhere other than left back. And then as Dana mentioned earlier, you look at the bench and, you know, Hayden Coulson, oldest player on there somehow, even though I swear he's still a young, young prospect and he like, he's, he's like the footballing equivalent of Luke Littler. Like, like (laughs) how, how he's like the oldest senior player on, on the, the bench. I think it, it just shows how bad the, um, the injury crisis actually is. So, yeah, I, I'm not surprised. I mean, like like I say, I was really frustrated at the time. I'm sat in the car, like waiting to get the car park, calming down, listening to the uh, the BBCT's phone and listening to Carrick's post-match interview. And I'm like, yeah, you know what? He, he's got a point here. I can't be too harsh on them after that as much as I want to be at the moment because it's a lot to ask of, of a very small squad to, to kind of come out with a period of fixtures that we always historically tend to struggle in anyway, but come out of that with, with such a small squad and, and still getting results. You know, just happy that we we got those wins against uh, West Brom and Huddersfield coming out of that. But yeah, it, it looks like it definitely has caught us up and, and hopefully what we heard in the the interview that you know we've got three players back training. Obviously, there's been stuff said today about a, a potential signing, which I know we'll cover. Hopefully, this is going to help bolster our ranks throughout January and hopefully let us kick on for the next couple of months because we, we've waited a long time for some of these players to come back. Yeah, we we have missed them, haven't we? Like, um, and also just on Hayden Coulson as well. I feel like he's Borough's version of Jesse Lingard. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> like, yeah, I get that. <laughs> you feel like, oh, he's an up and comer. He's like, no, thirty-one. Um, <laughs> like, but it's a uh, yeah. I think the injuries have really caught up with us. I really do. Like, and all I think we'll have about what four, five, six, maybe six out of that thirteen back in January. You're hoping to bolster the squad as well. Things get a little bit stronger you start to pick up some results. And I think around April time is probably where our hardest fixtures tend to come uh, again. But I want to go and talk about a player, Dana, and Morgan Rogers because 
Although Millsborough were quite poor in the second half, I thought for me, Morgan Rogers was absolutely fantastic throughout. Are you pleased with his development? Because he's just came on leaps and bounds, hasn't he, over, over the season? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, he's one of the hits of the summer for me. I think I just like the way that he plays. And I mentioned it before when he takes the ball from deep and he drives with it. I mean, that turn when we were building out from the back in the second half where he just drops the shoulder, he turns and then he runs with it and he plays in Jones and Jones plays him in back. And I think the does he get blocked or does the keeper make a save? Either way, it goes out for a corner. I was just thinking if that went in, that would have been one of the goals of the season for me. Uh, I really like Morgan Rogers. There's a degree of Marcus Tavernier about him in that I think sometimes fans may look at the rawness of him and the lack of refinement at times. But I really want to focus on the developing potential that we're seeing. We are seeing him improve, even against Huddersfield, where I don't think anyone was particularly stand out. He was still making an impact. He set up Josh Corbin's goal, and I don't think we gave that assist anywhere near enough credit as we probably should have done because it was one fantastic ball and a fantastic spot out from um, Morgan Rogers, And then obviously he won the penalty as well. And then he was creating chances galore on Monday and he was really, really difficult for them to, for Coventry to deal with. And, and looking at his statistical ranks as well this season, he's top for big chances created. He's top for successful dribbles per 90 top for expected assists which is a much better measure than the the typical assists because let's be honest that um little pass to Sammy Silvera for that goal against Swansea what one yard out isn't a great measure of a player's creative ability yeah it is you can say that (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's clutching but we'll take it won't we and he's um joint third for goal contributions this season so yes he's got potential still but he's delivering right now and I really really like him I think he's got that powerful energy when he drives that it's very difficult to stop him when he's in full flight and I think he's a very clever intelligent player as well the positions that he picks up and at times the passes that he makes really good combinations with teammates I really really like him and and I hope that he can just continue going from strength to strength because I think we've got a really good asset there in Morgan Rogers Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile with the price of just about everything going up during inflation we thought we'd bring our prices down so to help us we brought in a reverse auctioneer which is apparently a thing Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready get 30, ready get 20, 20, 20, ready get 20, 20, ready get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems, too like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. 
Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Yeah, and he's only played nine full 90 minutes more than Josh Corbin in his career, which is insane. Same same age as well. And I think when you look at how well-developed Rodgers is already or getting there, he's definitely more developed than I'd say Corbin is right now. But just a really, really good talent. I think we need to give him a bit more patience and time because I know fans can be very reactionary on, on Rodgers, but I think don't, don't think people realise how young he is and he's still, he's the same age as Josh. And I think Josh gets a lot of patience from fans where Rogers is kind of the opposite. Um, so more patience for Rogers, but he's, he's been brilliant for me. And Tom, do you think he's made that support and striker slash 10 role his own now? Do you think Mills, you could kind of hang your hat on him a little bit? I think he's starting to, I didn't think he had until uh, like fully until maybe a few games ago. But I am starting to see that that development now. I, I think you know he's he's clearly confident. He's he's playing well. Still needs a little bit of work. I think the the final ball from him sometimes uh, still does let him down a little bit. But other than that, I, I, you know, I, I think he's one of these one of these players who is really developing in the team at the moment. I think you see that with with Vandenberg. You know, Engel's got better for me. Barlas is adding more stuff to his game, which I think we have seen, uh, especially this month. I, th- I think it kind of ties into something I said maybe like a month ago on, on the on the podcast where I said I, I think we'll get to about April and then we'll fully click and you know people will be kind of saying what what a team and and, and stuff like that. I, I feel like we'll get to get to April and you know we'll, we'll all be absolutely buzzing over Morgan Rogers. I think he's he is developing quite quickly, so. I look forward to seeing what he does for the rest of the season. And our players too, this time around. So no players leaving. Um, well, I'm, I'm definitely, I guarantee Hayden Hackney will leave. And that's why I, I could yeah, put my house definitely. on Hayden Hackney mm-hmm. leaving. Um, so there, obviously there'll be, I know there'll be players like that, but I think the majority of it, they're all staying. Our players are young and, and developing as well. And I also think it shows that Carrick and the coaching staff that we have with Woodgate and, and uh, Danks, very, very good at developing players, which is a very hard thing to do sometimes. Um, and I think they deserve a lot of credit for it. Um, do you know that they're making these players better and better and giving them confidence to to improve? But I'll move on uh, because there has been some news today, of course, uh, a transfer rumour, uh, as you will. But Bora have agreed uh, a deal for Finn Azaz uh, from Aston Villa. Luke Haley, of course, interest as well. Lauren Shanklin, Todd Kane as well. Have also been like, Todd Kane's always linked. He's becoming like the news <laughs> on Gira um, at this point. Um, but Finn Azaz, reported medical as well, probably on T-side. So Finn Azaz, Azaz, Tom, do you think that he will give us some pizzazz? I hope so. <laughs> I'm not going to sit here and pretend I know a great deal about him, other than I've seen some highlights like over the course of the season, and I thought to myself, "Why couldn't we have found him first? Because you know what, what a hell of a goal that was, and stuff like that." And now, now it seems to be happening. So, 
yeah, I'm very happy about that. I mean, he he did look dangerous against us. Obviously, got a goal and an assist. So, if he can bring that to, to our team as well, hopefully, offer us a little bit some a little bit more creatively, and yeah, ho- hopefully, just you know, lead to a few more few more goals in the second half of the season. So, yeah, I, I think I mean for two million as well. That that's a hell of a signing, and the fact that he's come from Villa's academy is pretty much enough for me. <laughs> you know, going off uh, Cameron Archer and Aaron Ramsey last last season, you know, if he's come through Villa's academy, we think it's a good sign and probably going to be. So, yeah, that's that'll do for me. Yeah, well, Daxi knows a lot about this academy. Uh, so he, he'll have his, uh, his finger on the pulse on that one. But then I, I know we'll probably have, have a lowdown coming out potentially tomorrow, maybe Friday. Um, especially when we, we're going to wait until the sign is announced. We don't want a Diego fall on, on our uh, on our hands uh, here. But what what how would you how would you feel about the signing of, of Finazaz? Really, really good, really good value. I looked on my Twitter timeline when the news was breaking. If he's good enough for George Ellick, then he's good enough for me. He gets the the NTT twenty stamp of approval, which is always um, very good. Just after, oh, just tied with the Gab Sutton stamp of approval. So I'm waiting to see what Gab Sutton says about it. But really good value signing, I think. And credit to Borough for seemingly getting this done really, really um, quickly. Fingers crossed, we don't get. Shea Given or Diego Forland, as you mentioned, and we don't jinx it and he ends up signing for somebody else. But really good signing and somebody that could potentially play in that left wing role. I know that he will be cup tied, so he will be able to play against Chelsea. But if he does sign in time, his debut could be against Aston Villa, who Borough is set to sign him from. So that's a little interesting wrinkle there. But yeah, we were talking about it before and, and Tom mentioned it on our Facebook group chat of where would he play? And right now with Morgan Rogers in the form that he is in, I think you probably say that, okay, yes, he can compete with Rogers. And I guess based on quality levels, I'd put him above Rogers. But right now you don't take Rogers out of that team. For me, you take Sam Greenwood out and you probably put Finazaz on the left because he's... Um, one thing that I've known about, I found out about Finazaz that he's very good at cutting inside. And we saw that actually um, against us at Home Park where he cut inside and he wrapped that shot straight around, um, was it Diang at that at that point? It was Diang, wasn't it, right? He was in goal at <laughs> that game. Yeah. So, yeah, I think he's one of those players that is a talent that just has been developing and developing. He's been at Plymouth for a couple of seasons now, has made that step up from League One to the Championship and just seems to be getting better and better. So I'm glad that we have... Strike the iron whilst it's hot. I love getting that phrase in here, so I'm going to say it again. But yeah, really, really good. Happy, um, happy with that deal. Can't wait to do our lowdown on him, and, and hopefully he's a, is, he is a success here. Yeah, and for me, like in a, in a full strength squad, I think you have McGree on the left. I do think you have Rogers in that centre, uh, not Rogers, and so you have his ass in the centre, and then you have Rogers on the right. And I just think that rotation of the players, and, and you can you can be expansive if you want to, Rogers. Um, I just think it creates all different types of problems and what a place for a striker to come in and score goals because if you can't score goals with the amount of chances we create, then God help you. But for me, really, really decent signing. I know we'll do a low down um, to really get the the ins and outs of it um, and also I have text Gab to see what he thinks of it as well uh, whilst you're chatting <laughs> there, Dana. So I will get Gab's response uh, before we end uh, this podcast. But obviously January now, um, you can tell because what, how many links today? Four links today? alone um and i just want to ask you if you've got a player in mind guys if of who you'd want to bring in in an ideal world in in, in january so uh dinner is, is there anyone in mind that you think or who you, who you would like to come in 
uh, obviously apart from Finn as has um, in January. <laughs> yeah, well, I mentioned Ali Alhamidi a few podcasts ago. He's obviously one that you look at and think, okay, League Two may be a bit of a risk, but I feel like those are the types of signings that really can bear fruit and maybe are, are ones that Borough should be looking to target, good value pickups from lower leagues. Um, but there's also a player that I haven't mentioned on this podcast, but I did drop it in our Telegram chat. It's Duncan Maguire from... Orlando in the MLS. Uh, Blackburn were reportedly linked with a move for him. They had a loan offer rejected. Apparently, Orlando don't want to loan him out. But he is an interesting one. Had a, a rookie debut season in the MLS. Just gone 13 non-penalty goals for Orlando this season. 0.67 non-penalty goals per 90, uh, which is the top rank in the MLS for any player that has accumulated at least a thousand minutes. And I had a brief watch of him and fully put it out there full transparency these are clips not full 90s but I just watched them to gauge uh, a very small snippet of what he can offer and I must admit I was impressed he just seems like he's got that natural finishing ability you know when you you watch a player and I don't well there are things that can measure this like goals per shot and their conversion rate etc but he just looks like he has that finishing ability that is very, very impressive. Quite, you know, like they have that natural knack that they can shoot, strike the ball really well. And a lot of their shots, if they're going on target, you'll probably see them nestling in the back of the net. A good movement as well is what I noticed. Pretty quick off the mark. Seems like he can play in that centre-forward role, but also roam into different areas. So he's one to keep an eye on. The only thing with him is that because this is his debut season, I don't really know if it's a flash in the pan, if he can add to that, if it's just a, a bit of an anomaly, if we um, widen the sample size. But I think if, well, obviously Matthew Hoppy was um, at Philadelphia, wasn't he? We've apparently been linked with Brandon Vasquez from um, FC Cincinnati. So it seems to be a market that we will have scouts looking at. So maybe Duncan Maguire is one. I, I quite like the look of him. He's a bit of a left field option. We haven't been linked with him, but I'm just going to put his name out there because I quite, yeah, I quite like the look of him. And obviously, yeah, that's, that's always a risk. I think even we younger players could just come through, like it's always difficult. But for Hoppy as well, he's got two more years left on his deal, Hoppy as well. So I feel like mm. he, he can always, he can always still come good. And we don't really know how well he's done really in the MLS, really, truly, unless we're watching him week in, week out. I think it's really difficult to gauge sometimes. And the eye test for me matters a lot. Obviously, you've got three things when you're looking at players, really. You've got the statistical data, your, the eye test, and also your gut feeling as well. I think all three of those will combine into a, a, how a good signing will look. But, Tom, you got a, a player in mind? Todd Kane. <laughs> <laughs> it's about time we signed Todd Kane and his brother, I don't know, if he's, has he got Todd a brother? Harry. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was going to say. Undertaker. Go on. Um, Harry Undertaker. Um, honestly, there isn't really. Uh, I'm, I'm just I'm interested to see where where the window takes us. I'm I'm not too familiar with Aston Villa's under twenty three, so I don't know who else I want <laughs> from that. But yeah, I'm, I'm just I, I'm I'm really interested to see who we sign this window and, and what our strategy is going to be. I didn't have any any names in mind going into it I still kind of don't but Finderzaz is a good start in my opinion. Can I just say that Matthew Hoppy played for San Jose Earthquakes on loan and not Philadelphia and I've just uh, wikipedia them and their nickname is the Goonies 
why did I say Philly as well? I was like, Ugh. like it's full of I thought it was Philadelphia. Well, you know, I thought the Coventry game was on a Saturday. It's on a Monday. Last podcast, I thought it was SpongeBob and it was The Simpsons. I mean, I am on the gin, by the way, just to let everyone know. But um, yeah, it was San Jose Earthquakes and not Philadelphia. Yeah. You also said Rogers made that run in the second half as well. But I'm just, I, I left it, but I brought it back up just because I said it. Um, oh, I did. No, yeah, it was the first half. Sorry. School schoolgirl errors here, Dana. Schoolgirl. <sighs> but anyway, I was going to say, play for me. I would say Tyrese Campbell, uh, Stoke, our contract. Uh, in in the summer fits the the criteria of what Borini go up front as well, really good in the box, and I just think he has a, a really good all round game. And I've I seen a few things saying around uh, his injuries. He's only had one injury since his he had a big a big injury a few seasons ago. He hasn't he hasn't really had an injury since. He only had one, um, which let uh, was he was out for a couple of games. But I would say he fits the the criteria of what Borini. I really really like Tyrus Campbell, um, but whether we got him in. In, in January, I, I don't think we will, to be honest. Uh, I'd, I'd 100% be on board with that if we did. Yeah, yeah, well, the the rumour mill, uh, you know, of, of of championship football and speaking to a couple of uh, Stoke fans, they said that he, he doesn't really want a new deal, apparently. That's that's the rumour mill. So, no, but he's a top, 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 top player. Um, I wouldn't either if I played for Stoke, to be fair. <laughs> yeah, well, no one really wants to do that. But you know what? Under Schumacher, you never, never know. But let's move on. Let's let's chat about the 2023 because you know we've we accumulated 75 points out of 46 games on average. That puts you fifth uh, in the championship table over 46 games. We finished eighth on points per game on 1.63. So the only teams that have bettered us in in that time uh, are the top current top four. Uh, as well, and the three promoted teams of last season as well. So we really are up there, and we kind of average out to fifth, to be honest, when you think about it that way, when three teams have went up, there's four plus left, we've got a fifth. You know, I'm playing out on that route. But anyway, um, but I want to ask you a question on how you would define 2023, because it was, for me, a great year for Bora. I'm going to probably say my three are probably exciting, heartache, and in probably future exciting for what we'd seen football and wise the heartache of the playoff semis and the future of how bright players uh, are looking and where we're going as, as a team I think the way we're developing players the squad that we have at the moment is is, is going to get there it's going to probably take maybe a few moments to get there but we're really getting there and I just like the direction we're heading in but that'll be my three but Dana what's going to be your three words to sum up 2023? High and low, I think. We went into 2023 off the back of that really good win at Ewood Park against Blackburn, which was a real flag in the sand. It showed people that were very much in and amongst the promotion race and were there to stay. And then we had a scintillate in a few months that obviously we we absolutely dismantled Hull, we dismantled Norwich, we went to Bramall Lane and dismantled Sheffield United, who was second, and... It was just really good. It felt like, not a foregone conclusion, but it felt like Borough was were trending so far upwards that we were going to end up in the top two at one point. And ultimately we didn't. I think we did run out of steam and we probably peaked too early. We obviously got hit with injuries. And then, yeah, to to lose the playoff semi-finals was such a sinking feeling. And I remember mentioning it to you in the group chat afterwards. We're not podcasting after that. I don't want to podcast after that. It was such a... 
I just felt so gutted. And then even at the start of this season as well, it was a bit of a struggle, wasn't it? There were a few calls for Carrick to leave and our form was poor. It felt like we couldn't buy a win at a point. And yeah, we've we've kind of experienced the roller coaster of football there. So I'd probably say high and low. And for you, Tom, what are you going, what are you going to be your three words? I'm say fun and patience. The fun part, because I've... I don't, I don't recall ever seeing a Borough team play like this, uh, or, or like we had done at the, you know, in the Carrick half of well, part of last season. It, even when we've done well, it's it's been a completely different style, and 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 it's been much more um, solid. It, it's been nice to to watch because I, I I always thought this type of football was like reserved for for those teams. Like I, I mean, not not even big teams like Liverpool, but like Swansea when they went up and. No, they were a very entertaining team to watch. You know, I, I never never thought Borough would be playing this type of football, but we are. It's it, it is enjoyable to watch. As I said on on a previous podcast, I'd prefer it if we weren't conceding so many goals when we were winning. But you know, I can't have everything. Um, and and then the patience part, I think, has just come, come from this season, knowing that we're we're having to, to develop these players, but. You know we're playing the right type of football to do that. You know we, we we've picked up some great prospects at, at you know fairly fairly modest fees, and, and then it's it's just it's kind of waiting for for that to pay off and 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 for the fruits of that to to really show. But I look forward to to when that does happen. Like I said earlier, my prediction is April, and I think we'll we'll either just make the playoffs or just miss out. But it, it'll finally click and. You know, we'll be going into the next season optimistic, and people will probably have us down as favourites again. But then, you know, the the cycle might might begin again if we sell anyone. But yeah, it's it, like I say, it's 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 a really enjoyable time to 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 be a Borough fan in most of twenty twenty three. And and yeah, I just can't can't wait to see where this this project actually takes us. Did you have a favourite moment of twenty twenty three, Tom? Probably a okay, more. Probably that that one away at uh, Sheffield United because I went to that. You know, I'd been to a couple of other away games that season. I don't think I'd seen a win at that point, and and then unlike unlike Matt, I actually got to see a an away <laughs> win. <laughs> but it, on, it wasn't it, it wasn't what I was expecting either. Um, I, I'd I'd gone to that game fully expecting to see us like lose one nil or something, and, and early in that game, that's what I thought was going to happen, and and then to come away with. With the win that we did, it, it was such a good night. Not not even the M1 being closed and being redivered through uh, through Wakefield and not getting home until one o'clock would ruin that. Uh, I mean, it was a great way there, like isn't it? Like really good. My, I think mine's probably Hull at home. I think that that second half, if I count it as a moment, was unreal. It was absolutely amazing how we just switched it. We switched on and just. Blue Hull apart, and it was just such a good win. Obviously, Tuba's uh, celebration was great as well in that, but just that that second half, wow. I think that, that 10 minutes of just, like, honestly, it was unreal. Dana, what, what, what's yours? What, what What's going to be your, your favourite moment of, of 2023? Yeah, I was going to go with the victory at Bramble Lane, as Tom once said, but I'm going to switch it up I'm going to say when Tuba reached 20 league goals I think that was such a, a monumental achievement and it was just that I just remember the countdown to it whenever he scored like everyone around us would be like 
two more, two more, one more. And then when he finally got it against Reading, it was such a just a fantastic moment. And for him to stand on the, the advertising board as well, a little order to um, Bernie Slaven climbing the fence, I just thought it was such a good moment. And, and I will say, a lot of fans always say, oh, just move on, just move on. No, I'm not going to. I love Akpom. I love his story. I love seeing how he's doing well at, at Ajax, and I, and I wish him all the best because yeah, stories like that in football are, are just really wholesome. So I'll probably say that moment where he reached twenty league goals. Yeah, and would you say he's your player of twenty twenty three as well? Mm, no, I wouldn't actually. I wouldn't. Um, are you asking me for it? Yeah, go for it. Who's your player for twenty twenty three? I would say Cameron Archer. Because the way that he came in and he got 11 goals and six assists and I think it was 25 games, just the Borough striker that that I've always dreamt of, really. I know that people say, well, what about Tuba? But, you know, he was that second striker, number 10, whatever you want to call him. Um, The debate has rumbled long on um, in our Telegram chat, but I'd probably say Cameron Archer. I just think that he was that cold-blooded finisher that Borough still needs right now. And it's such a shame that he's at Sheffield United because I really wanted to see him back here, but I would say he would be. I mean, you can approach that question two different ways, can't you? You can say somebody that has performed really well and consistently throughout the whole of the year, or somebody that really impacted a particular part of the year. And for me, I would probably say Cameron Archer gets my um, my vote for player of the year. What about you, Tom? Who's going to get your your player for 2023? Uh, Todd Kane. Um... Todd Kane. <laughs> and his brother, Undertaker. <laughs> I want to take the easy way out with this one and say Tuba Rackbomb. Shame about how it ended. Um, you know, I mean, that image of him crying on the pitch and Carrick going over when will be permanently burned into my brain. But um, yeah, uh, I, I think it's it, it's got to be him. I, I don't think, and uh, well, obviously a couple of players have come close, but I don't think anyone's batching that story for, for what he did. Yeah, and he would have been injured for the playoff final as well, just to rub salt in the wounds. I think for me, I'm torn between probably two, two of them. Yeah, probably two or three. One, Riley McGree has been excellent all of 2023. Most influential Borough player that we have uh, in terms of like create helping create chances or you know little pockets of space. I really, I really do like Riley McGree. Chuba Rapham definitely and Cameron Natcher all deserve uh, plaudits for us. But just to be different, I'm just going to say Ryan McGree, just to say, just to be different. Although I think Chuba probably deserves uh, uh, deserves the award. Uh, but let's look ahead uh, to the weekend now where Borough play Aston Villa. The last time we played each other uh, was in 1957 in the FA Cup. Obviously, last time we played each other in the FA Cup was in 1957. And we all know how that game uh, turned out. We're all there um, uh, <laughs> and it ended 3-2 to Aston Villa. And the last time we played each other in, in the league, of course, was 3-0. Uh, and it was uh, doubled in the championship and um, fell as tall as a part. But it's trivia time. We love a bit of trivia. And I've got three questions for you uh, this week. And I'll give you the, the 30 seconds to, uh, to do it, of course. But your first question it is a true or false question. And it's Stuart Downing scored more goals for Aston Villa than he did in his second spell at Middlesbrough. True or false, did he do it? The second one is Gareth Southgate and Ugo Ekiog. Which transfer fee was higher? So who had a higher fee when they signed for Middlesbrough? And then finally, which I think will make your brain tickle a little bit, who had more goal contributions for her? Cameron Archer, 
or Adama Traore? Your 30 seconds starts now. Time is up wherever you are. If you're walking the dog, driving in the car, doing the shopping in Tesco's or other shopping outlets and doing whatever you are doing. I hope you've got your answers there as well. But the first question, uh, Dan, I'm going to come to you first. Stuart Downing, did he score more goals at Aston Villa um, than his second spell? I bore a true or false. What was the answer? Did he score more at Aston Villa? I went for true. I mean, Downing's not renowned for scoring goals. I remember he scored against MK Dons. That was his first goal on his return. He scored a free kick against Wolves. Very good one at that. Uh, he scored against Accurate and Stanley in the Cup, and he also scored against Bournemouth. And those are the four that I remember. There were there were more than that, but I'm, I've gone for, for Villa. Okay, and then Tom, true or false? Or uh, for Villa? Also gone for true. I feel like if it was versus his first spell at Borough, it would have definitely been false. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. You know, the, the, there was that season where he was top scorer until we, uh, well, I think he still might have been after we beat City 8-1, but who knows who was top scorer after that match. But yeah, I, I don't remember him scoring too many uh, when he came back and playing in that Karanka system. Not that I remember his time at Villa, but I can't, I can't, I wouldn't think it'd be hard to, to beat that total from when he came back. And he's a both correct. It was true. He did score more for Aston Villa. Um, but moving on, uh, it's Gareth Southgate and Ugrekiog, of course, um, both fantastic centre-backs of were signed uh, a season apart. But who who did we pay more for? Was it Ugo or was it Southgate, Tom? I think it was Ekiog. If I'm right, he was our record signing for a, a little while until we signed Macaroni, which I, I don't think it was ever... The case with Southgate. Okay, and Dana? Yeah, when I'll Ugo as well. Yeah, and that's correct. Um, it is Ugo Ekiogate. It was £8 million for Ugo, and Tom, you were right as well. It was our record transfer uh, for just a hot minute. And then we he got pipped by uh, Massimo Macaroni. I think it was only by about 750k more, mind. But it got pipped. And then the final question, which I thought was going to be an interesting one for you both. Um, who had more goal contributions at Borough, Cameron Archer or Adama Traore? Of course, Traore was at Borough for longer. Um, Archer was only at Borough for, what, six months. Um, but who had more goal contributions? So goal contribution is a goal and an assist together um, for you data monkeys out there. But Tom... Who are you going to go for? Because I see Dan has went for Cameron Archer. So. I've also gone for Cameron Archer. It was weird when, when Dana showed her answers because I've got exactly the same stuff. <laughs> um, um, obviously, Dana mentioned earlier how many goals and assists Cameron Archer came out with. And I was thinking about it. I was like, Traore, although I can remember him scoring quite vividly in that last season he was here under Pulis, I feel like he didn't actually have that much end product until maybe the second half of that season. So, yeah, I think it would have to be Cameron Archer. 
Yeah, he got 10 assists, didn't he, that season? And uh, it took Ryan Giles last season to be the next Borough player to register double figures and assists. And I remember Traore scored against QPR because I think that was his first mm. goal. I think he scored two against Reading. He scored during the minute's applause, but I can't remember any other goals than that. But I thought it would be close, but um, Cameron Archer, I, I know that he got um, six and 11, so, or 11 and six. The answer is... Cameron Archer had more goal contributions than Adama. Um, Cameron Archer had 17. Adama only had 16. So just close him to the post. Mm. Um, Adama did play a lot more games than Cameron Archer as well. So it just shows how well Cameron Archer did in that six months uh, as a Borough player. Um, but to the game now as well, because... Aston Villa absolutely smashing it in the Premier League uh, this year under Unai Emery. Um, but guys, we, we weren't able to get um, a voice on, unfortunately. But uh, what are your thoughts on the game coming up? For me, it feels a bit, I'm not particularly that bothered. I can kind of leave it and I'll look forward to Chelsea. I don't know if you guys echo that. Danny, you can answer first. Yeah, I do, to be fair. I mean, I'm going, I've got my ticket, so I'll be there. But it, there is like a a bit of about this one. It was such a crap tie to get, isn't it? I mean, what are they second in the Premier League right now? If only it was a a lower league team and you could kind of put the kids on and know that they're not Mm. going to be absolutely ragged around. I mean, I think there'll be a lot of Borough fans that are also thinking the same, that it's just a bit of a, well, can we just go to Chelsea? Go to the Chelsea game and forget about this one. But... I don't really know what to say about it. Like, because I could say, oh, it's an opportunity to rotate, but is it? <laughs> is it? Rotate who? <laughs> exactly, rotate who? Yeah, I kind of, I don't really, I won't say that I don't care. It's just that my level of care <laughs> is pretty low towards this one. I still hope we win, but yeah, a little bit apathetic towards this. And Tom, are you in the, in the same boat? Yeah, exactly the same. Yeah. I think if we could go into the match and then quit it like a game of FIFA and just take a 3 0 loss and do it, like just save everyone's fitness and just like let them go into Chelsea with us. Because, like, like Dennis just said, there, there's no one really to rotate. It, it reminds me very much of the draw last season where we got Brighton at home. I mean, yeah, I, I had to choose one game to go to out of Villa and Chelsea. Obviously, finances wouldn't allow us to do both. And I'm going to Chelsea. Like th- this game, it, it's just—it's probably going to be cold at the Riverside because it always is. Just a bit of a shit game, to be fair. So, <laughs> yeah, I'm—I'm I'm not really that ass. As Dan just said, I hope we win, but I'm, I'm not—I'm not really that bothered if we don't. I just don't want us to get absolutely battered, like you know, six or seven nil or something. Like say if I can take a two nil, three nil loss now. Yeah, fine. Is that Tom's bet as well? Is the Tom bet the three nil defeat? No, I'm not I'm not betting on this one. Okay, so save your money, uh, ladies and gentlemen. Don't bet on this game according to Tom's bets. Um, there are other betting providers out there, and please gamble responsibly. Uh, so, predictions. Uh, Dana, I'm going to ask come here for your final prediction because Tom's went with a 6 0 defeat to Aston Villa. <laughs> uh, um, are you going to go higher or lower? <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm going to go lower. I'm going to go with a 2 yeah, 0 to Villa. Yeah, and I, I'm I'm going to echo that as well. I'm going to go. Uh, I'm going to go two 0 Villa as well. I just think it's a. I think if they're poor, really good sides, 
I think it's going to be a really difficult afternoon for us, especially with all the injuries we have. I would love us to rest a few players. But you never know. If, if you win against Aston Villa, it's more confidence. You go on the hat again and you know you continue, you continue to keep a good mentality. And you can also look away from this, uh, from the league as well. But um, Tom, have you actually got a natural prediction? Is it actually 6-0 or are you going to go with the 2-0? Um, I'm going to go half of that. I'm going to go 3-0 Villa. 3-0 Villa. Um, fair enough then. Well, thank you very much, Tom. Um, and thank you very much, Jenna, as well. And thank you to the listeners and the viewers for watching us and listeners as always. And don't forget to give us a five-star rating on your podcast provider. Don't forget to give this video a thumbs up if you watch us on YouTube and subscribe to our YouTube channel. 42% of you who watch us, uh, who watch us week in, week out haven't subscribed to us. So just remind, just reminder, subscribe. It's easy. It takes two seconds and you get notified every time a video drops. And you probably will need to be notified because we're going to have a few lowdown videos coming out uh, this month. But for right now, the winter silly season is open uh, Borough and Cup competition once again. But this for right now, this has been the Borough Breakdown podcast. And this is our Borough Master Chat in the pod. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.